everybody. Welcome to the Sally Allen podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. As you know, we use this platform for people to share their stories of resilience. And today we have such a wonderful guest. Her name is Vanessa. Vanessa, is it Heart Cell or Heart Cell? Heart Cell. Heart Cell. Yeah, I couldn't get that one right. Vanessa Heart Cell. Vanessa, and I'm going to read this. I, I like to read bios because I don't like to mess it up. Vanessa is a dynamic speaker author and leadership trainer and she's passionate about changing the world and I've been following you on social media for a while and I have to tell you you are a world changer mm. and that's why I've been stalking you and trying to get you to be <laughs> on this podcast so um, welcome Vanessa I'm so glad you're here I am so humbled to be here this is so fun yeah yeah um and that's why we try to keep it simple light and fun and um yeah, and hopefully we'll give our audience a takeaway and a little nugget, but for the most part, keep it fun. So, um, you know, as, as as you know, we share stories of resilience here and, and things that's going on in our lives. Uh, what are you sharing with us today? You know, I um, it's easy to look at people who have a platform and think they woke up the, one morning with a platform, right? Yeah. That they woke up one morning and just had just... Um, a story to tell, a platform to stand on. Um, and I run an organization called Ignite Life, which is a ministry right here in Las Vegas. And that platform has come with 12 years. We've been around for 12 years. And really, truly, that started the starting point of Ignite Life really happened when I was eight years old. Um, when I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. Um, called mycosis fungoides, and it was a cancer found in African American men over the age of fifty. Oh wow! And I was a little white girl, yeah. and um, my parents didn't know what to do with that, and so they started praying. And the doctors really didn't know what to do with that, and so my parents um, sent out these little prayer cards with my picture and our story on it. I joke that if in 1990 you were a Christian, you received a postcard with my picture on it because <laughs> anybody willing to pray, they were willing to to sit and send that to. Um, and so people from all over the country started praying uh, for this stranger to be healed. And um, fast forward, one day I was getting ready for bed and it's a, a cancer that would show up on my skin, but it was actually in my T cells moving around in my body. And um, I went to bed and my parents, well, I was getting ready for bed. My parents came in and they were saying goodnight. And my mom said, let me see, you know, the spots on your stomach so I can, you know, every day. She would just check me out. Yeah. And they were gone one day. And it was this incredible movement of God in my life. We were just shocked. I hadn't received treatment. I hadn't received anything. Um, and it was from there that my dad invited me to go travel with him and share my story of encountering Jesus through healing um, in my body with churches who had been praying for me. And so I say that was the start of Ignite Life because that was where I learned that I had a story to share and yeah. stood on a platform for the first time um, at eight years old. Wow. Wow. So tell me a little bit about that, a little bit more about that cancer. Is it curable? Yeah, so they, they are saying now, I mean, when I was eight and was diagnosed, um, there was a lot less 
research done on it. Um, It really wasn't found in children. And now they're saying that if you can get it to go back into remission, that it can stay in remission for up to about 16 years. Mm -hmm. So if you do the math, 8 plus 16, I'm older than that. And so um, I I had moved to Las Vegas, started working at a leadership development company. I, um, before that, I guess back up, I was um, in college and decided I want to go into public speaking. Like God had planted this, had given me this platform at the age of eight. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really loved sharing my story and, and really connecting with people on things that we don't talk about at the dinner table, that we don't talk about with the person in the cube next to us at work. Like these are stories and things on the inside that like hidden place you know inside of us that we ask these deep questions and I loved exploring that with people and so I decided to um, in college they didn't have a major that I wanted so I created one at my university oh my god this is just how I'm wired like but I this is what I'm supposed to do yeah so I created a major in um, leadership and community um, leadership and communications and so I um, had a speech coach and went to class on becoming a public speaker. And so when I graduated, I moved to Las Vegas, working at a leadership development company, and I loved it. Um, and So I want to yeah. stop you before you go further, because this question is still ringing in my head, so it's going to distract me until I ask it. Yeah. For someone who has an eight-year-old child, what would you tell them? What, what, when you were going through this, your cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what you were feeling as you were going through this? And how would you encourage your parent going through this um, and tell them how their eight-year-old is feeling? How were you feeling? Yeah, I describe it like um, all of us are born with a dream space. And mm-hmm. it's this place where we can do anything we want, be anything we want. And at the age of eight, and I think it's the same whether it's cancer, whether it's the death of a loved one, whether it's a divorce of parents, whatever it is, there's something that comes in and starts to shrink our dream space. Something that comes into our life that says that thing that I thought was possible, Mm -hmm. maybe that's actually not possible. Because Mm -hmm. right when we were little, like we could be a princess and a dinosaur and a rock star and whatever else we wanted. And there was no idea that we couldn't. Right. But then something happens in our life, some unexpected thing happens, and we're like, oh my goodness, maybe I can't. And so we start to fold up that dream space, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And we all, as adults now, have these wadded up, folded up dream spaces in our back pockets that we carry around with us. And now we're just too embarrassed to pull them out. Now we're just, right, there's like foolishness it feels like to be like do you know what I want to dream about being and doing and so I think just being aware that there's a process happening inside your child that you have the opportunity to reopen that dream space um, to be able to speak into it and asking the right questions of just what what is shrinking your dream space right now you know what what is making you think that you can't be or you can't do um, because we have weird associations that happen in our brains, right? Like, yeah. I failed this test, therefore I'll never be a rock star. Like, they don't, they're not compatible, but we say that they are, because if I can't do this, then certainly I can't do that. And so having these conversations that remind our, our children over and over again, like, the world is yours. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it, it's choices from this point forward. And there's a lot that happens to you in life, but it's also about how you choose to come back from those things. And so I think I had parents that just continuously opened my dream space. And when something happened that closed my dream space, it was an invitation to use that to get to the next place. And so my, the closing of my dream space was cancer. And some of those things of like being a rock star, right? Those died, but so did the dreams of like getting a driver's license, going to prom, right? Because they were yeah, like, they yeah. were infringing on my life. Yeah. And so those started to kind of close up too. And so my parents were like, well, why don't we tell people your story? Why don't we make you the superhero of the story, not cancer, the superhero of your story? Yeah. Um, and so I think that, and then I think reminding you know, our children that, that God is bigger than yeah. all the obstacles that we come in contact with. Yeah. So I know you have three children. I do. And do you share this dream space with them? Do you talk to them about dream space? We talk about it. Um, I won't, I wouldn't say a lot, right? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. We did a lot, but yeah. it's constantly a question. I ask my kids probably, I mean, there's not like a rhythm to it, but mm -hmm. I would say probably six times a year. I ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. What do you want to do? Well, what if you had no obstacles? What if you had all the money in the world? What if you, you know, could do, have any superpower? I mean, those are conversations we have at our dinner table. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, of just removing boundaries over and over again, reminding them, if you could do anything, if you could go anywhere, you know, and just constantly making that dream space bigger and bigger. Yeah. And letting them know, like, they're limitless. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Because some, so many adults are not living out their dreams. They're just, just getting up, going to work and go home. Yep. And that's it. And they're not even doing what they, what they dreamt of. Like you said, I love that analogy of, just wadding it up and put it in your pocket, put that dream space in your pocket, and then you don't look back at it. Like I wanted to be a psychologist so badly mm. when I was little, and if you know my story, it didn't lead me down that path. But now, uh, only two years later, right, two, two years ago, which was what, 2020 or 22, I started actually doing, pull my dreams out, mm. right? And I became a coach, and that was, I couldn't, I didn't become a psychologist, but it's even better. I'm doing what I love to do is sitting in front of people and yeah. talking to them. And I, I love the way you put that because I was able to pull that out of my back pocket and, and uncrumble it and say, like, I get to do this now. Well, and then realizing the role that we play, all of us, yeah. in assisting other people in pulling out that dream space. Because someone like you says, I'm as bold and courageous and brave and says, I'm going to do it. And you pull it out, and depending on what you're met with, right, determines oh, yeah. if you're going to put it back away, if you're too embarrassed. Oh, if that's you're too, so good. Yes. Right? But if yes. you're met with somebody who's like, you would be so good at that. Yes. I would buy the book. I would take the class. I would, you know, and yeah, people who yeah. just cheer you on, yeah. you'll, you're more apt to keep that out and actually dig into it a little longer. So the role we play in other people keeping it out. So it's easy to think of a dream space yeah. from a childhood perspective. Right. But all of those kids grow up, they're me and you, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> that are like, oh my goodness, I stuck that in my pocket because my parents got divorced. Right. I mm. stuck that in my pocket because we moved, right? It's yeah. just something that was unexpected that happened 
Yeah. yeah. That was so rich. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. But it segued nicely into continuing with your dream space. Now you started, you created a, a, a curriculum. You created, yes. right? Yes. Tell us more so, about that. So Ignite Life, um, so I was working at a leadership development company when yeah. God really poked my heart and asked me, are you making good people or are you making disciples? And I was like, well, that was rude. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that was rude. And I don't think that working in a secular organization is bad at all. Right. It just wasn't God's plan for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked there. I loved it. I gained so much. And I think a lot of what I was able to do moving forward is because of the time that I spent there. I watched God work in incredible ways. Um, but... I knew that I had to do something different. And so I wrote a letter of resignation and put it on the corner of my desk, hoping someone would see it and ask me about it. Never happened. They never did. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to have to quit my job. I'm going to have to quit my job. And so right around that same time, um, I was actually diagnosed again with the same form of cancer. But this time I was an adult. Mm -hmm. And so it hit different. I was living alone in Las Vegas. I had a job. I had, right, like I would, I paid my own bills now. And so I wasn't a kid that was sick. I was an adult who was facing cancer. And so I um, was like, well, I've seen God do it once. Yeah. He can do it again. And so um, I read in the book of John, it says that Jesus and his disciples were walking down the road and they see this man born blind. And they asked Jesus, why is this man blind? Because of his sin or the sin of his parents. And he says, well, it's neither. It's because I'm going to make the glory of God known in his life. Mm. And so I was like, hot diggity dog. Like I have cancer so that I get to make God's glory known. And so I like took that as a platform of like in the middle of cancer, I'm going to make God's glory known. Right. And that was great. Um, and I say that half like jokingly, (laughs) it was great. Um, my doctor had said, we're going to do 52 days of this treatment and we'll see where you're at at the end of 52 days. Your body's already had this disease. It might not respond to it. Mm. Um, I started dating this really good looking guy who happens to be my my husband now. Um, And we're getting close to day 52. And I still have these lesions all over my body. And I still am like trying to go to work and I'm trying to quit my job in the midst of all of this so that I can do something different. And I remember like pulling out my Bible reminding God what it said, like this happens, right? Like, God, I want to remind you that like, it says that, that when he makes your glory, you know, like, right, then you're going to heal him Uh and it's all great. And I, it was rereading that and realizing that it said that, that it wasn't his healing that would make glory, his glory known. It was his blindness. And so like, would I be willing to let God get the glory in my life, even if he didn't heal me? And that takes your faith to a different place Oh yeah. of God, even if you don't, and I know that you can, would I still be willing to say you are good yeah. at the end of this? And so I wrestled. I'd like to say I was like, of course, <laughs> right? But I wrestled um, with God. And the next day on the way to the doctor's office, I was sat in the car and I cried and I was like, God, even if you choose not to you are still good. You will still get the glory. And I joke that like Jesus in the Bible didn't run anywhere. He walked and I don't understand it and I hate it because he always arrived everywhere right on time. 
and I was walking into the doctor's office with lesions on my body. I put the hospital gown on. The doctor came in to look at everything and see how the treatment was going, and I had no lesions by the time the doctor lifted up my gown. Like, they were completely gone. And it was just God being like, I walk. I get there right on time. Oh, my gosh. You gave me, like, I'm still getting goosebumps all over. So you walked in with the lesions. Yeah. Put the hospital uh, gown on put with the, the lesions. With the lesions. Yep. And then when the doctor came in and lifted up my gown, he said, it looks like the treatment worked because there's no lesions on your body. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And so then what was my response? I have got to quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> Normal people, normal people don't say that. My response was like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to quit my job. Yeah, yeah. Because it's my job to make the glory of God known through my healing and through my sickness, either way. And yeah. so I walked in and I submitted my resignation and quit my job and didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but I did. Like I had a vision of that dream space, right? Like if I, if I had all the money in the world, I didn't. If yeah. I if I had no worries in my life, which I didn't, yeah. what would I do? I would mobilize women. I would I would equip and empower and mobilize women to believe that they could be the spark that ignites change in the world for Christ. And so Amen. So before you move on to that, tell yeah. me how did that elevate your faith, that incident elevate your faith to another level? I think a lot of it was, I mean, right, unbelievably, undeniably elevated my faith in the fact yeah. of like I've now I've now experienced God work miracles in my life twice, twice yeah but really I I he's worked thousands of them mm -hmm. right the un, unknown miracles that God has just worked in my life and I think that it 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 made it so that there was no obstacle to be obedient to what God called me to like yeah. no matter what was in front of me God could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted to and so if he called me to start this organization this nonprofit, when i had cancer when i was single when i didn't have an extra income when i was living alone when yeah. i was right like well so be it god's just going to provide and make the way because he called me to do it yeah and so i i there was like no question i sometimes i joke and say like my greatest superpower in life is that I'm incredibly naive. I have no idea I can't. I have no idea. Like, well, if that's what we're supposed to I do, still, then that's yeah. what we do. <laughs> like, what else would we do but what we're supposed to do? You know, yeah, like, I yeah. have no idea that yeah. I can't do it. And so if God called me to do, do it, it, that's just what we do. So that's what you did. You went and you started this organization, Ignite Life. Yes. And really, so that was 12 years ago. It started with, I mean, to encourage people listening, it started with one step. It was not an organization that we are today, 12 uh -huh. years ago. Yeah. It was obedience to do one conference. We hosted one conference called the Refresher Women's Conference. Uh -huh. 150 women came our first year. Yeah. I was 24 years old. <laughs> Most of the women who came were like double my age. Um, but God had just given me favor. And yeah. doors just opened for me to host it for the women who are willing to come and share their wisdom and speak and women who are serving and volunteering. And that that one conference really did give birth to a movement of women in our city yeah. who 
desire connection community to use their gifts their talents their abilities um and so now today we host about seven well this year we'll host 72 events this year um we have about 125 volunteers who serve with us all year yeah um i'm full-time and we have two part-time staff um alongside me and you know we partner with churches all over our our events are hundreds of 600 women are coming to that 150 that refresher women's conference is now you know hitting 500 women we have 600 women a month gathering at crave crave gatherings around the city where women come around a table to have conversation that matters and you know it just it just has moved and morphed and gone and um grown and and grown in depth not just in width and so um but it, it you look back at all the obstacles but if you choose to like ignore the obstacle, like just to remove the obstacle, right? It really wasn't that hard. Yeah, just going around it, right? Yeah, or going through it, going around it, and um, just doing what God calls you to do. I actually led um, last year a couple of the Crave sessions, and That's it was awesome. amazing. Like 150 women in that room. Yes. Yeah, and our table had 10, and it was just so much fun, and. Um, it's nice to get the backstory and the insight to how that came about. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and, and you had talked about like empowering parents with kids yeah, that are, yeah. you know, in their dream spaces. Like my, the acknowledgement, acknowledgement of my ability to communicate, to speak, my confidence, really all of that came from a response of my parents when I was eight years old. I yeah. really attribute it to that as you know, them saying like, we'll give you a platform to use your gifts. And so right now as a parent of a nine, seven and five year old, I'm like digging through their lives, trying to figure out like, what are those gifts? They're probably not speaking and that's okay. But what are those gifts so that I can elevate them and put them on platforms that will give them confidence to walk in those giftings? Yeah, I love last year when I was at that conference. Um, it was the refresher conference, a big one, right? Yeah. And you were talking about your kids. You're, you're not a helicopter mom I can tell (laughs) I am not (laughs) you're not right um just what you share and the dynamics so share share with us a little bit about your relationship with your kids I mean it is I describe it as joy meets chaos um but it's it's constantly I think treating my kids like they're they're people yeah And not like their kids, you know, I mean, like they are kids, like I get to treat them like their kids, but that realizing that they aren't going to all of a sudden have gifts, talents and abilities when they're 18, right? They have them now and they're not going to have dreams and goals and aspirations when they're adults, they have them now. Um, And so figuring out how to pull those things out of them um, and then, you know, the dynamics between them, I really want my kids to be friends with each other, like, and that doesn't happen accidentally. And so figuring out my oldest is nine, my youngest is five. So how do I, and a boy and a girl, and mm-hmm. then I have a seven-year-old boy in the middle, but my seven-year-old boy can go either way, right? Like he can be best friends with the nine-year-old or be best friends with the five-year-old. That's easy. But a boy and a girl that are, you know, nine and five yeah. have nothing in common. And so figuring out ways, so their job is to go get the mail from the mailbox together um, because that's something they can do together and I'm not facilitating it and it's their job together. So 
finding ways for them to enjoy life together and do jobs together and family time is something that's super important we have a lot of boundaries in our home yeah um people that follow me on social media always are like you do so much your family is always on the go and it's not wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah we do a lot uh-huh. but we do a lot because we have a lot of boundaries in our life yeah um I just wish we had that growing up. I am the young of 10 siblings. Okay. My oldest is... God bless your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my my eldest brother is 30 years older than I am. Wow. And and then then it's two years, two years, two years, two years years after that. Every, Every two years, my mom will give birth. But I really don't have this close relationship. Well, I didn't have this close relationship with any of them growing up. Because by the time I came around, everybody is gone or they're older. So, um, and my mom didn't have the capacity to foster that. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. are doing. So now over the past few years, I've built some of that with some of my, my sisters, about three of my sisters. But um, uh, to, to your point, it's so important to do that when they're young. And, and I've never heard a parent talk about that, like bridging that gap between the age. Like it's yeah. so important. So... Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I think um, there was a chart. I took a class. I don't know who taught it, but it radically changed my life. You know, one of those. Um, but it had this this map of a family, and it had God at the top and a mom and a dad, and it, you wrote all your kids' names at the bottom. And then you drew arrows for all the relationships at work. So it's my relationship with my husband, his relationship with God, my relationship with God, my relationship with each of my three kids, his relationship with, and then the kids' relationships with each other. And then they said, draw a red line over the relationships that is the most strained right now. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I think it's my oldest and my youngest because they just don't have anything in common. Boy, girl, four years apart totally different stages and I drew that red line and so that became my focal point of you know what can we do what can I if anybody's gonna be voluntold to do the dishes or to do you know something in our house it's gonna be those two because they need to spend time together not just doing chores doing fun things too if there's something he can teach my daughter or my daughter can invite him to play with him or you know um just being super intentional just the reality that nothing happens by accident and family dynamics you don't just automatically love each other yeah so going back to what you said before you're so busy where do you find time to do everything (laughs) right to do all the things all the things yeah Um, all the things i think that it has come from learning what i'm not good at and learning Mm -hmm. what i am good at i like that because when i learned like humbly being able to say like i we we serve food at every event that we host at ignite life right you don't want me to serve you food (laughs) at any of these 72 events, right? You also don't want me to do the decorations. You also don't want, like, there's a list, right? And so once I freed myself of having to do things that I knew I was not good at and finding people that were good at those things, it freed me from just that heaviness of having to carry things that I never was designed to carry and that I'm not good at carrying. And so... Um, I think the reason we've been able to grow a a volunteer base in our organization of 125 active volunteers is because it's, it's seeing somebody being like, you know what, 
you're really good at this. Right, right. I'm not. Yeah. Would yeah. you come and serve in this space? And so I've been able to just get so much off my plate and really only do what I'm good at. And I think that has freed me a lot. I'm also a pastor's wife is like this other hat that I wear. Yeah. Um, my husband's a pastor and, and realizing what things are like non-negotiable, like I get to do yeah. and what things aren't and releasing a lot of the expectations, asking my husband, like, is it important to you if I'm at this event? And he'll be like, no, I'm like, great. I'm not going, right? <laughs> or he's like, oh, yeah. it's actually super important to me that you're there. And I'm like, okay, then I'll be there, right? And yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently heard this advice and I've taken it a lot. Uh-huh. It's a good one. right? And that's when someone extends you an invitation, you can say no without telling them why. That's right. Naturally, it's like, can you come over for my baby shower? And you're like, no, because... I'm going to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. No, because, right? And I realize that my reasons aren't always good enough for what the person is asking me to do, right? Like the fact that I need to sit with my husband and like binge some Netflix, like that we need that because yeah, we've yeah. been going and like we just need a night of rest at home together. Yeah. That might not be satisfying to you that I'm not choosing your baby shower because I'm watching Netflix at home, but it's what my soul needs. And so I've learned, I can say, I'm not available, period. Yeah, I love your authenticity. I just love it. (laughs) And I love that. I only learned that like a few years ago where I can just say no and I don't have to explain to you, I'm sorry, I have another commitment. It is so It's so freeing. freeing. It's (laughs) so, like literally the best advice I could give anybody. Don't tell people why you can't come. You don't have to. If I say no, I can't come, then you just gotta believe me. Yeah, and people don't generally ask. (laughs) Like we just feel this like, we're so ashamed of the fact that we can't come to your baby shower that we're like, is this a good enough reason? Is this a good enough, right? Like what do you think? It's this innate like um, desire in us to say like, well, I gotta sit and watch Netflix with you know Evan tonight. Right, right, and they're gonna be like, what? "That's that's why you didn't come, right?" When I could have just, I could have ended it. Ended it. Yeah. Just, just no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They don't ask. And and I and and I think if if there are people who loves you and know you, then they know you're coming from a good space, and you need that time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they so won't I question think, it. Uh, I just listened to um, John Mark Comer wrote the book, The uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah. Such a good book. And I just listened to an interview that he did. And he said the people who go hard and can sustain going hard mm-hmm. are the people who rest hard. Yeah. And I I'm like, that is my goal. That's yeah. my goal. Like, I know that I've just been called to a big life. And I know that just a really full life. And if I want to do those things and if I want to do them well and with excellence which is important to me excellence is super important to me and so if I'm going to do them well I'm going to have to rest hard and I'm going to have to put up some really hard Hard boundaries boundaries. that says I'm sorry at eight o'clock we my kids go to bed and we're home and this is what it looks like you know or we eat dinner together like probably six out of seven nights a week at the dinner table as a family, um, we have cards that we pass out and have questions that we ask each other. And um, we have family night once a week. I mean, these yeah. are like some of the hard, firm boundaries that are in place because I want to make it. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, even as you're talking, I'm doing a mental inventory. <laughs> oh, what else we say no to? 
<laughs> right? Right? Yes. Like, shoot, I should have said yes to that. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, now, before I sound like too much of a hero, I know, at least now I have the awareness that I've said yes to something. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I say to my husband as I'm getting ready, I cannot believe I said yes to this. I know better. I know this was a no, you know. Well, I'm glad you're here and you said yes. Yes, I did. I said yes to you. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad you said yes. But before we close out, can you tell us a little bit about Club Christ? Sure. Um, Club Christ is an organization that my husband started 20 yeah. years ago. Um, he was a freshman in college. He had just come to know Jesus, and he founded a ministry that's in the inner city in um, government housing projects. And so um, they set up these after-school tutoring and mentoring um sites inside an apartment and we have four different apartment complexes in town um, that we're in right now and it's about um, 120 to 150 kids a month who get to go and learn how to read and learn about leadership and learn about discipleship and the bible it's all run by volunteers so we're just starters that's like what we do i guess my my husband and i we just um we just so love the city of Las Vegas and yeah. just believe that there is um, potential. There's so much potential in raising up a generation that doesn't have access to um, good education, who doesn't have access to family ties. And, um, you know, my husband has taught many children now as adults um, how to drive and how to we've facilitated weddings i mean so that was 20 years ago so these kids are now growing up and they're yeah. getting married and they're going to college and they're you know and it's been a gift in our lives to be able to walk alongside um, these families for the past 20 years wow that is so heartwarming vanessa thank you um so what's a takeaway you know we can go on and on i feel like there's so much to ask you but um what's a takeaway for our audience today I think, you know, taking an inventory of going back to those beginning days of what are those things that set your heart on fire? What are those passions that you have? There's so many women specifically that I talk to you. Um, that's my crowd. So it's usually women um, that just don't feel like they have a purpose today in the mundane, that they don't know what makes them passionate anymore. And I would just encourage women to go back to that dream space and to literally take out a piece of paper and to write down the things that just set your heart on fire because those were designed intentionally and on purpose. What your giftings are, what you're passionate about, your station, like physically where you're planted, all those things come together in Clyde and there is great opportunity to walk in your giftings even if your life is full. Yeah. There's an opportunity to take a step in doing something that really brings value and purpose to your life. Yeah. Amen to that. I didn't say amazing, Austin. Um, (laughs) 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 That, that, yeah, that is so rich. Thank you. Um, So my takeaway, and I'm trying not to botch this up. uh, My takeaway is Jesus didn't run anywhere. He walked. I love that. I've never heard, I've been a Christian for over 20 years and, and I never heard like, heard it in that term. Like Jesus never ran anywhere. He walked and his timing is perfect timing. Mm-hmm. He will arrive on time. Yeah. Right. And, and your story about walking in that office and just the doctor's office and just sitting there 
and you're completely healed, I got goosebumps again. It just has has just lifted my fate and just inspired me so much today. Hmm. So thank you so much, Vanessa, for sharing your story and sharing your heart and being so open and vulnerable. Love, love having you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, yeah. And thanks to Austin Behind the Decks and Sticky Paw Studio and our audience, if you're listening and watching. Wait, did I get that right? Like, rate, review, and share with your friends.